for the week of November 15th, 2021. This is Bad Batch TV Talk from Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into every Star Wars The Bad Batch Disney Plus episode. Today, we are reviewing the fourth episode of the first season of The Bad Batch, Cornered, in which the Bad Batch run out of rations and are forced to go on a supply run, once again putting them in jeopardy. Dave, what did you think of this episode? Well, it was uh, it was a different one. The first time we've actually gone looking for um, Jedi sympathizers. Right. It was uh, quite the interesting one where the Bad Batch, they're kind of going around. They're looking for, um, you know, of course, their way in this galaxy. They're trying to lay low, but at the same time, they need some resources. And this one, we get quite the introduction to a character that we were kind of expecting. Um, if you're new to watching this, maybe you had forgotten about the scissor reel that Lucasfilm gave um, a while back ago, but let's go ahead and dive into it. So Omega, of course, where we left off with her, she's earning her place in this bad batch of clones, and she really wants to explore the galaxy, which, of course, Hunter and the other batch of clones are not too excited about right now especially given the state of the galaxy but this episode allows for a little bit of uh galaxy exploration if you will yeah sid once we figure out who she is which of course omega was you know instrumental in handling because of course the the eight to ten year old is going to notice who's who before the you know you know the seasoned clones people who are supposed to know people and uh they're going out looking for a a kid of sorts, which is going to take them to a world looking for slave traders. Well, Dave, we are actually one episode behind. We're on the episode before that where we are talking about the corner. Oh, geez, I got the notes in the wrong place. (laughs) (laughs) No episode five notes up. There we go. Okay, let me just uh, recalibrate here, everybody. See, when you're dealing with a show like this, it's really easy to get caught up in the episodes and just keep going through, especially now when everything is bingeable. We're not oh, yeah. live, um, but that too is a great episode, and we'll get into that one as well. Okay, so where we're? Oh yes, the bounty hunter coming up. That's where we are next. They're out exploring, looking for their supplies, and uh, turns out that um, a bounty hunter that we have seen before is coming up on, on the world. Right, and of course we get uh, Finnick back in this world. Now this was something that I think everyone, I don't know if surprise is the right word, because it's hard for Star Wars fans to be surprised right. anymore about you know the bringing back of characters. But when they announced the Bad Batch and, and released the first trailer, you know, Finnick was not someone they were hiding. It wasn't something they were keeping um, out of the public sphere. No, no. And so we knew we were getting Finnick back in the season. Um, but the second episode in and then being established as an antagonist versus actually assisting the Bad Batch, at least so far. Um, so my initial reaction when you see this character is something that... Uh, of of excitement and we get to see how she became this uh popular and skilled bounty hunter because we learn from episode five that she is a very new bounty hunter but in this one she's kind of there's some mystery around her she's obviously extremely skilled 
And for me, it was just kind of that excitement of seeing this Mandalorian oh, yeah. character come to life. What about you? Yeah, I was I, – I, when Bad Batch was originally released, I didn't follow the trailers and whatnot. All that. Well, I got, I've got four kids. I don't have time to watch trailers. So I uh, I, I see everything brand new with, with no uh, with no foreknowledge of what's coming up. So Finnick was a total surprise to me. Um, but just as excited because I had a, I, from the Mandalorian, I knew what the character was capable of. And like you, I was excited to see what this uh, – pre-Mandalorian version was going to going to be doing for us. And I also like that they chose a character like this. That they chose, you know, a bounty hunter um, to be the tracker of these Bad Batch of Clones. We don't quite know who has hired her. Um, my theories, because of course I haven't watched it, that this is the um, the uh, people of Kamino trying to get Omega back because she's super interested in Omega, not so much the rest of them. So I don't know if she's a, an Empire higher but what we do see is that she's not a force wielder obviously i think if you put a force wielder against this batch of clones they become overpowered by it right but this is an antagonist mm -hmm. for the series that is beatable they can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with this uh with this character and then she of course can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them oh absolutely and it's more fair that way too because like you said the jedi can pretty much overpower any special ops group um but yeah, it, it was just very interesting to see how the the animation mirrored the real life uh, movements of uh, I can't remember the actress's name who played Fennec, but she's one of my all time favorite actresses for this particular kind of role because like well last time I I saw her she was in uh, it, was, it was one of the Marvel shows mm, the one with Coulson what the heck is the name of yep, it Yep Yep Agents of Shield that's it she was the Calvary in Agents of Shield. And uh, she's, she's just great for a martial role of this kind, whether she's playing the good guy or the bad guy. You, you can't get any anyone much better. Yeah. And we've seen, of course, the reverse happen. So we've seen mm -hmm. in The Mandalorian and, uh, of course, the newer Star Wars films that they're bringing kind of Clone Wars animated characters to life. But they had the bases in the Clone Wars. Now we see kind of the opposite happening where we see a... Clone Wars character being first introduced in this live action realm. And so we see her in the Bad Batch and then kind of the same principles there. I mean, John Favreau said it uh, himself when he was developing things like the Darksaber, like we need it to mimic the animation. So we need it to be basically what if this animation was real and it needs to match that. And the team there at Lucasfilm was obviously extremely skilled at doing stuff like that because this was exactly that and it did feel natural and then of course when you bring the actress back to be the voice actress it it it, it adds a completely different layer that you feel the connection um and it also is a message from lucasfilm where it's like yes they do care about continuity i know that a lot of people are you know getting all worked up about this um you know an example so today there it was disney plus day and no trailer of obi-wan was released and this got people just super mad because there was some concept art that was released of obi-wan fighting vader did you have an opportunity to see that no i, I did not get a chance to see that uh, our recording days happen to be the day i spend most of the time editing in my office so i've been on the computer all day but not looking at anything other than other than waveforms 
<laughs> well, uh, kind of all what I'm saying to kind of tie this all together is a bunch of people are mad that there's this potential of Obi-Wan fighting Vader, because, of course, in A New Hope, we have, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a comment that Vader makes that implies that they possibly haven't seen each other since the uh, fight on Mustafar. Now, there are a number of different ways that they could handle this. They could just say that was one little comment that didn't mean that they that was the last time they met or we're going to get some PTSD Obi-Wan. All that being said, Lucasfilm, they do care about continuity. They oh, are careful about things. And if you have doubts in that, go back and rewatch The Clone Wars. I mean, they purposely kept Anakin away from Grievous for six seasons because, of course, the line in Revenge of the Sith where they first met. And so Lucasfilm, they care about that stuff. And it shows here with um, just the movements the attitude and the caring of this character, Finnick. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, another absolutely. thing this show does is, again, and I'll cut, keep nailing ahead on this coffin because I, it, it's my most, it's the most thrilling portion of the series for me, but the exploration of the galaxy after the mm. rise of the Empire. I mean, we, so we see that different planets are taking it in their own way. So we have here specifically the planet that the Batch go to to get their resources. They are more excited about the end of the war, right? Like they view it as exactly oh, that. Yeah. Like this is the end of a war um, and now the galaxy can move on to peace. And so it's just interesting to see um, all that and then um, to see these Batch of clones being kind of the naysayers of it all and the ones that are like, oh, there's something actually darker here, but uh, we got to find our own way to live. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if it was in in uh, this this particular run of episodes or a different uh, Star Wars series where I saw it. Maybe it was in the uh, season seven of Clone Wars, but one of the characters in in in, in, in those two runs said something along the lines of it, it's a changing world and you either have to adapt or, well, they didn't say die, but that was basically the idea behind it. It's the time to adapt or die. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, of course, that's, you know, uh, from the sequel trilogy, you have DJ who, you know, is basically like, don't join. Like, if you want my advice, don't join. But be, you know, willing to cut a deal. Um, and that's uh, we see some of that going um, a few ways, of course, in this series. And then uh, that's a theme throughout The Mandalorian as well. We see the Mando taking... Uh, at times, different allies and different stances based on the scenario. And then the Mandalorians as a whole, and especially his secret society of Mandos, do the same thing. Because this is a galaxy that is run by something a little bit more sinister. Yeah. And, and the thing is, with, when you're looking at uh, something that's run like an, like an empire like this, especially when you're, just, you're talking a fictional empire like what we got here, not everybody is going to see that empire as 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 an evil entity. I mean, a lot of people are just going to live their lives just like they did with the Republic and very be very minorly impacted about the changes that are going on. Like, okay, so now we have these chain codes and we need to change our credits. Okay, and they pro most people probably went right on from there and lived their lives just fine. Yep. Yeah, and had no idea what was going on in the greater portions of the right. galaxy. And, um, you know, it's one of those things to where this is a vast galaxy that um, maybe the Empire isn't as present in certain areas, isn't as sinister, uh, because there has to be that reliability. Um, but what we see here, again, with Omega is she... Oblivious isn't the right word, but she's new to this world of right. there are people out there that want to hurt you 
for their gain. And when she has this run-in with Finnick, because of course she gets separated from Hunter and she gets lost, and she sees this nice lady who has taken off her helmet for her. She seems very pleasant. She seems safe. Maybe has some motherly vibe going on. Like, it's okay, I'll help you find your family type of thing. And we see this kind of all-out manipulation um, on Omega from Finnick. And uh, it gets Omega into some trouble. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, at first, like, when, when Finnick first comes up, like, what's Omega going to think? Yeah, sure, here, I'll help you up. You want to? You need to go find your friends. Let's go. Like, you stick with me. I'll, I'll get you through. That that was the uh, that was the vibe she was getting. And it wasn't until Hunter showed up later on down the road that that vibe changed. Omega started to think things were a little hinky when they stole the fruit. But uh, beyond that, once Hunter roll, rolled up on him, it was a different story. Helmet went back on. Knife came out, and things went down. Yeah, and this is another reason that I think that it might be the. Uh the Camoinians, I think that's how you say their species, but that they're yeah. the hirers of or the employers of Finnick because what if she's been tipped off that Omega is resourceful? What if this is, you know, her uh, secret superpower that the clones have given her is that she's adaptable, that she will evolve as as the moment approaches. So Finnick needs to make sure that she doesn't threaten her and so she takes on this oh yeah let's just help you find your family and then when she's not paying attention she'll get napped um and we do see that when push comes to shove omega once again is extremely resourceful and when she is cornered she does make some really informed informed isn't the right word because she's not literally informed but informed choices as to what to kick over what to cut and then what to hold on to when she does find herself cornered um, with Finnick. Yeah. I think the word you were looking for there is instinctual choices. She was guided, yes. guided by your in- instincts. And, and, and even so there, I think there might've been some clone programming coming on in there too, because as she went through the chase, trying to get away from Finnick, she went into the sewers. She got out of the sewers when uh Rucker showed up and she used the, the pads, the, the lock key to lock it out so that Finnick had to shoot her way through to get to her. That's all stuff you would expect to see the, the, even the regular force clones do as tactics. So we know she's a clone. She, we gave, we're, we're given that in episode one. And, uh, yeah, I think maybe some of the programming, um, that would have been left over from, you know, if she would have been an accelerated clone was starting to kick in because we don't know when in the process the, the the programming actually starts. Yeah. And, and this could very well, again, uh, go back to that theme where the, um, Camerounians need to show the empire now what they can do with this technology. Because of course, when clones go away, their job goes right. away and they are no longer employed. And so their entire economic, uh, foundation is destroyed by this. So that could be something that very much they programmed in to someone like Omega and which kind of fits into this whole theme. So this was kind of me just, you know, paying attention and laughing. But this this episode was titled Cornered. And we see that, of course, Omega is cornered by Finnick and then mm-hmm. Hunter is cornered by Omega by the whole situation. Echo is cornered by being sold as a droid and now has to deal with droids that don't want to go against their um, programming tech is cornered by the repair situation and then wrecker is cornered because wrecker is defeated by finnick and of course this shows finnick's own resourcefulness and how effective she is as a bounty hunter because 
The big thing about Wrecker is that he likes to smash, and he's extremely effective with smashing. Absolutely. The only way you could get somebody more effective at smashing is if you were to pull the Hulk in there. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's Disney, so who knows? But uh, you, you, you don't have a better wrecking ball in the Star Trek universe than Wrecker. Hence yeah, the name. Absolutely. And my final thought is this episode really spoke to me because if you start watching The Clone Wars for the first time, you immediately get hit with Disney, or not at the time Disney, but Lucasfilm, trying to humanize the clones. And that entire show showed the relationship between the Jedi and the clones. It humanized them. You mourned when they died. Mm-hmm. Um, you, all of those type of things. And this show, The Bad Batch, takes that to another level because now it shows their ability to form these humanly bonds and we kind of saw that with the clones but it had less of an impact because it was mostly with um themselves so kind of the brotherhood of clones they were you know this close-knit and had familiar like family bonds but it was more so in the sense that they were kind of all in it together and even though omega is a clone she is a child version and she's obviously female in this show um and it kind of shows again this humanly bond of the clones, which again adds a layer of tragedy to them being created for one purpose and then that purpose being fully realized in Order 66, which kind of goes against their emotional bond. So that was my biggest takeaway. What was yours? No, I don't think I could add anything to that. That's a lot of what I was feeling both times I've watched this episode. So yeah, I fully I fully agree and that's that's what I got too. Like, there's nothing more I can add to that. Well, while our listeners wait for our new episode next week, they can keep up with the show on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk and by emailing us at hello at Star Wars TV Talk.com. You can find the rest of our shows online at Star Wars TV Talk.com and by searching for Star Wars TV Talk wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a five star review. You can find more TV Talk podcasts at TV Talk.fm. Thank you so much for listening and may the force be with you always.